This is the last of the series that we were doing on how to be successful at anything. We want to do a slight review. We want to do it a little bit different. We want to call on people to review for us uh, because I know you've been taking notes and I know uh, you've been doing very well. Uh, don't put the review up yet. Okay? <laughs> yeah. Uh, let me have some volunteers up here. <laughs> you can come on up. That's fine. Come on. Volunteers. <laughs> I didn't say volunteer. Volunteers. Okay, that's right. That's right. Okay. <laughs> now we have eight things that we've gone over so far and those eight things we said we were trying to make sure that we uh, could use this in whatever we set our heart to do as far as our goals are concerned for 2009 and you know we have church goals also so um, you, you were the first one so uh, let me give you the first opportunity, okay? How many, wanna, how many do I get the list? Well, let's have two, four, six, eight. How about two? All right. Uh, how about uh, be accountable? Okay. And then the other one was trust God uh, for your covering. Okay. That the church would cover you. Excellent. That's, that's great. That's great. Okay. Who was the second person that came up? Was he? Okay. <laughs> okay. Have a passionate desire for Christ and be determined to change. Oh, all right. Praise God. Praise God. Okay. It's been four so far. Got four more. Let's see. Trust God and your spiritual leaders. Mm-hmm. That was, that, was, that was one I think he gave it. Oh, oh, you're, uh, you're that's, oh uh-huh. that's no problem. That's no problem. Um, three. Mm-hmm. Doing good. Y'all making me com- nervous. <laughs> Be committed. Okay. That's good. I think he said, said that. No? <laughs> okay. While you're, think, while you're thinking, we'll come back. We'll come back to you. All right. Uh, you said set goals and have a schedule. Mm-hmm. And then uh, work hard but smart. All right, excellent, excellent, excellent. Huh? Okay, you go on and help him out. Go on and help him out. Which ones you don't know? Sacrifice, sacrifice, and change. Oh, all right. There you go. Suffer pain. All right. Give him a hand, will you, please? Give him a hand. Praise God. Praise God. Now we want to really. Uh, review these things because these things you should be teaching to your children, teach to uh, or share with your co-workers because everybody wants to be successful. Everybody probably thinks they know how to be successful and, and some of these points they already know but they, they don't get them in, in that order sometimes. They don't understand how important they are. So we do want to have a passion desire for uh, Jesus Christ. We want to have a desire for the more of the things of Him than uh, the more things that, of, of, that He's already told us in, in His Word that we should have. We want to do that. We want to have those things. So uh, that's that's the starting point that we said, and we said that we do also want to, um, uh, you know, we, we want to really probably be so determined to change what's out of the order of God that we're going to put forth that effort, and that there is no 
gain usually without pain, so we know we're going to have to sacrifice. And that's where most people give up. They don't, they don't uh, really, uh, when the sacrifice is too great, when the pain is, is too much, that's when most of us give up. And we want to make it past those points of, of that. Uh, we said that we want to trust God in spiritual covering because that's very important when we set any goals because God has to, unless, unless the Lord builds a city, you know, the builder builds in vain. So we have to make sure we're, we're doing that. Uh, we want to make sure we prioritize our time and keep to a schedule because if we don't do that, what usually happens is that uh, we waste a lot of time and we don't accomplish what we want to accomplish. We said we want to be committed, we want to be accountable. We had Chad and, and um, we had um, another young man, Barry, come up and share a little bit on that. Uh, so uh, we ended with working hard but smart because that's very important. Uh, everybody wants a hard worker, everybody wants a smart worker. Let's go right into what we're, the last four, which is to set realistic goals. Set realistic goals. Let's look in Numbers. Chapter 16. And this is a story. Um, and then you, can, you, can, you can probably think about this and say, I know I'm supposed to set realistic goals, um, but I also know that anything my uh, mind can conceive, I can achieve. Well, that's not true. That might be what uh, they might tell you in a psychology class or something like that, but it's not really true. Uh, according to the word of God, because you're not going to achieve anything that God hasn't uh, set for you to achieve. Uh, Lucifer tried that. He tried to achieve something that was not possible. He wanted to be God. It's not going to happen. You know? And here's another young man who wanted to be something that God has not um, purposed for him to be. Let's look at it. Korah, now Korah, the son of Israel, the son of Koath, the son of Levi, and Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Elab, and On, and the son of Peleth, and sons of Reuben took action. Now here's a, here's a group of men, they were Levites, and, and they, wanted to, uh, they wanted to do some things that not, not was in the purpose of God. And they rose up before Moses, together with some of the sons of Israel, 250 leaders of the congregation. That means that they're pretty... Pretty tough leaders, you know, pretty tough men. Korah's okay. Men of renown. So they're not, not just, you know, anybody. They were men of renown. They're important people, leaders. They assembled themselves against Moses and Aaron. And that's a problem. They're, they're, they're now, you know, getting, uh, going against Moses and Aaron. Why are they doing that? And they said to them, you have gone far enough. For all the congregation are holy. Every one of them. Now, in the New Testament, there's a, we know there's a priesthood of the believers. But we also know that God calls certain people to do certain things. He gives people to do certain things. And so, here's a person who says, that, Now, look, Moses, look, Aaron, you have gone too far. You are thinking that somebody died and, and it made you king. But everybody in this congregation, everyone is holy. Not just you. You don't make all the decisions. You don't do everything. Are we supposed to be included in this thing? We're all equal in this thing. The Lord is in their midst. 
Why do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? Now he was assuming Moses was a, and Aaron were, they were exalting themselves above the congregation. And of course, it may assume that it may look that way because Moses had to make decisions. And uh, of course, Lord told Moses that, look, I'm going to speak to Aaron. Aaron's going to tell you what to do. Aaron will be your mouthpiece, but I'm going to speak to you. So God had already determined some things. So when Moses heard this, he fell on his face. That's verse 5. And he spoke to Korah and all his company, saying, Tomorrow morning the Lord will show you who is his and who is holy, and will bring him near to himself, even the one whom he, he has chose. He will bring near to himself. Do this. Take censers for yourselves, Korah, and your company, and put fire in them and lay incense upon them in the presence of the Lord tomorrow. And the man whom the Lord chooses shall be the one who is holy. You have, you have gone too far, you sons of Levi. So Moses switched it around. Korah told Moses that he was going too far in Aaron. And now Moses saying, you have gone too far, you sons of Levi. Then Moses said to Korah, hear now, you sons of Levi, is it is it not enough for you that God, the God of Israel, has separated you from the rest of the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself to do the service of the tabernacle of the Lord and to stand before the congregation to minister to them? And that he has brought you near Korah and all your brothers, sons of Levi, with you? And are you seeking the priesthood also? So here, Moses is trying to reason with them. Moses is trying to let him know, look, uh, Korah, it's not too late you know, to, to come to your senses here. God has already given you uh, the, uh, something very important to do. You're supposed to do the work of the tabernacle. He set you apart. All the Levites are set apart. Korah, you, you don't have to seek the priesthood. God has already determined that there's going to be Aaron and, and his uh, sons is going to be the, the, the high priest. You, you can't do that. Now, will you please, you know, repent from this thing? In other words, that's what he's saying. Therefore, all you and your company gather together against, you gather together against the Lord. But for Aaron, who is he that you will grumble against him? Then Moses sent and sermoned Dathan and Abiram. These are two of the um, leaders who were with Korah, the sons of Eliab. But they said, we will not come up. So Moses called for him. They said, I'm not coming to you. Is it not enough that you have brought us out of the land flowing with milk and honey and to have us die in this wilderness, but you would also lord it over us? So he's thinking that Moses and Aaron are lording it over them because Moses and Aaron, all they are doing is caring for what the Lord has told them to do. It says, indeed... You have not brought us into this land flowing with milk and honey, nor have you given us an inheritance in the fields and the vineyards. Would you put out our eyes of these men? Will you? We will not come up. Then Moses became very angry and said to the Lord, Do not regard their offerings. I have not taken a single donkey from them, nor have I done harm to any of them. Moses said to Korah, You and all your, pro- your company, be present before the Lord tomorrow, both you and the son you and they along with Aaron. Each of you take his fire pan and put incense on it, and each one will bring his censer before the Lord. Two hundred and fifty fire pans. Also you and Aaron shall each bring his fire pan. 
So they each took their own censer and put fire on it and laid incense on it. And they stood at the doorway of the tent of the meeting with Moses and Aaron. Thus Korah assembled all the congregation against them. Now Korah had 250 men of renown with him. Now he's inside the whole congregation against Moses and Aaron. Because he wants to be equal with them. Then it says, The glory of the Lord appeared to all the congregation. That's a problem. It's a problem when the, when the glory of the Lord appears, when there's rebellion, because the Lord's not coming to, you know, just rain gifts down on everybody. So in verse 21, uh, the Lord spoke to Moses and said, Separate yourselves from among this congregation that I may consume them instantly. But, and this is, this is very important, but they fell on their faces and said, Oh God, God of the spirits of all flesh, when one man sinned, will you be angry with the entire congregation? What was God getting ready to do? He's going to destroy every single person. Every single person. In that congregation, who were rebelling against his leaders. That's what he's getting ready to do. But see, a good leader is always going to intercede for the congregation, even though the congregation is coming against them. You know, you can't look at it that way. If you're leading something, you can't look at it as the people are coming against me. You have to look at it as the people are coming against God. And so God has called me to do a job, and I have to do that job. My job title and, 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 and that, you know, the resume that goes along with that. Uh, and, and all the, the responsibilities that you intercede for the people. Because Jesus always is the intercessor. He interceded for us. He's interceding for us. And so we need to be interceding for others also. Regardless of how bad they treat us. And sometimes parents, sometimes your kids treat you pretty bad. But you have to intercede for them in a way. Because you love them. And see, Moses loved the congregation. And he knew what God said. He knew, he knew the heart of God. God really didn't want to destroy them. But God would if nobody, if he couldn't find a man to intercede, stand in the gap. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the congregation saying, get back from around the dwellings of Korah, Dathan, and Byram. So the Lord listened to Moses. Because Moses, all, all Moses was saying is what God is already, the heart of God is anyway. Then Moses arose and went to Dathan and Byram with the elders of Israel following him. And he spoke to the congregation, saying, Depart now from the tents of these wicked men, and touch nothing that belongs to them, or you will be swept away in their sin. So they got back from, from around the dwellings of Korah, Dathan and Byram. And Dathan and Byram came out and stood at the doorway of the tents, along with their wives and their sons and their little ones. And Moses said, By this you'll know that the Lord has sent me to do all these deeds, for this is not my doing. If these men die the death of all men, or if they suffer the fate, fate, of, all, fate of all men, then the Lord has not sent me. But if, if, if the Lord brings about an entirely new thing, and the ground opens his mouth and swallows them up, and all that is theirs, and they descend alive into Sheol, then you will understand that these men have sinned, have spurned the Lord. Then it came about, as he finished speaking all these words, the ground that was under them split open, the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up, and their households. Who was their households? 
the wives, the children, you know, the, the households, the slaves, you know, the, all the servants, got them all, you know. And all the men who belonged to Korah with their possessions, so they and all that belonged to them went down alive in the shore, and this earth closed over them, and they perished from midst of the congregation. And all Israel was around them, fled at their outcry, for they said, the earth may swallow us up also. Now, I read this because, see, sometimes we may think, if we're in a job situation, we may think, well, you know, this person right here, he's a supervisor over me. He shouldn't be a supervisor over me because I've been here longer than he's been here. And, and therefore, you know, this, this, the, the CEO, he's, he's promoted him above me. And I'm going to I'm going to, you know, get the people who are behind me and we're going to we're going to come against this supervisor. Don't do it. Don't do that. You know, because you belong to the Lord. The Lord knows how to bring one up and bring one down. You know, he doesn't need you to do anything. You know, the Lord can do whatever he wants to do. He doesn't he doesn't he doesn't, he's not answering to a CEO. He's not answering to, you know, uh, anybody, you know. So remember that because it's very important because sometimes we think that, well, the Lord could do something, but the Lord can't work through that man because that man, he has a hard heart. The Lord can work through anything. He can turn the hearts of kings just like he turned the rivers of water, the word of God says. He doesn't need us. So, so you, you be content with your place and work hard and smart and do all the things that you're supposed to do and God will reward you. And don't be like a Korah. Don't be like, you know, uh, uh, like a Lucifer tried to be, want to be more than God has called him to be. And there are numerous examples of this in the scripture of people wanting somebody else's place. See, one thing that David didn't want, even though he was already, already knew he was going to be king, already anointed, he did not do anything to hurt Saul. He didn't do anything to rush things, you know. He, he was content to, this is God's anointed. He's going to stay king as long as God wants him king. And if I'm 99 years old, when, when God decides that I'm supposed to take over, then so be it. Because God can make our strength at 99 just like our strength would be at 40. He's already done that in Scripture, so we know he can do anything. And he can do anything on your job. He can do anything in your household. So, you know, uh, uh, God has a, he has a order in the household. And sometimes, uh, we have people who want to get that out of order. Whether it be, and most of the time, it's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's the, the wife, because the wife is supposed to be in submission to her husband, the scripture says. And sometimes the wife wants to uh, t- uh, do things because the husband's a little bit slow at this. He's a little bit slow at that, you know. He's not as smart as she is in this area, so she wants to rule and don't do it, you know. Sometimes the children want to rule. They want to tell their parents what to do and what not to do and want to threaten them with tears and slamming doors and leaving home and all those type of things to have their way. But I'm going to tell you, don't do it. Don't do it. Because God has an order. Just, just do what you're supposed to do, and God will promote you when he, when he wants to promote you. There have been plenty of people who were, like David, he was, he was out there with a the sheep. He, he didn't have no desire to be a king, but God, God desired him to be a king, so he was a king. You know? Matter of fact, Saul didn't desire to be a king, but God made him a king anyway. So stay where you're supposed to stay. Do what you're supposed to do. 
and set realistic goals. Now, that's, that's a scripture example. Now, you know you should set realistic goals. And if you say, well, you know, um, I'm, you know, five, six, and I want to be you know, an NBA center, you know. Well, you know, I want to be in this dunking contest. I saw this dunk contest, man. I saw the fellow jump over the fellow and dunk that ball. I want to do that, you know. Well, you know, if God hasn't called you to do that, you might go, you might be the best soccer player that's around, you know. Don't try to be what you're not, you know. Just be what you are. Now, I, I advise your parents not to limit your children and, and tell your children that you can't do this, you can't do that. Just give them opportunities, you know. And they'll find out real, real quick, you know. What they can't do, you know, <laughs> they'll find out. You know, you put them, with, you put them, you put them out there with somebody they, that's that's good. They'll find out, you know. And you work with them and encourage them. Uh, they 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 they're very smart. Nobody wants to fail. They want to be in areas they can succeed. Number ten. Get proper rest. Oh, get proper rest. Let's look at Psalm 127. It says, It is vain for you to rise up early and sit up late to eat the bread of sorrows, the bread of grief or toiling or griefs. So he gives his beloved sleep. Now, that comes after the verses that, you know, unless the they, unless the Lord builds a city, they build a villain, build in vain. Unless the Lord, you know, keeps the city, the watchman wakes in vain. And he, then he says that it's vain for you to stay up late. Sometimes what we do is we are so um, anxious and careful about whether we're going to make it in society, you know, you know, with the economy being like it is, you know. And so you want to, you want to really uh, worry about your bills. You want to worry about this. You want to worry about that. Be anxious over this. Be anxious over that. God is saying, don't stay up late worrying about how you're going to pay your bills, how you're going to do this. Don't uh, get up early trying to uh, uh, have more time to, to, you know, just worry about things. What he wants you to do is get sweet sleep because what he wants you to do is do the things that it takes to be successful, which is to work hard and smart, which is the, all those things we've talked about. He'll take care of the rest. It's not, this is not a, um, a religious opportunity for slothfulness or for laziness. You know, to say, well, you know, uh, he, he said that one of the great things is to get good, good rest. So therefore, uh, I don't think I'm going to work today. I'm going to get some rest, you know. Uh, I'm tired. No, 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 no. It is not, that's not what the scripture is saying. You work hard and you work smart. You had to put all those things together we've been talking about. Uh, but just don't worry about those things. Because some people, they just worry all the time. All the time they're worrying about things. And God doesn't want us to do that. Number 11, have a positive attitude. Oh, that's so important. Have a positive attitude. In Proverbs 3, verse 5, I'm going to go to a couple of Proverbs, and then I'm going to go to a couple of scriptures. This is so important, very important, so, so important. It says, trusting in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. You can always have, a, have a, a positive attitude if we're trusting in the Lord and leaning not on our own understanding. This is important. See, if you, if you are 
have a negative attitude about things because things, usually we have a negative attitude about things because things don't go our way. Our circumstances are not in our favor. But see, if we're trusting in God, we don't, we don't worry about our circumstances because our circumstances are things that we see. And trusting in God, faith is things that we don't see. And so we know that if we're doing what we're supposed to do, we know that we've never seen a righteous forsaken all his seed begging bread. We should always be concerned about, I know what the scripture says, I'm doing what the scripture says, I'm praying and asking God if there's any fault in me to, to, you know, let me know. Because we're always humble and want God to correct us, but we're not going to worry about it. Not going to worry about a thing, you know. And so uh, it's a great opportunity for us to uh, uh, be a, a good testimony on our jobs, because they, they are, are, are getting rid of people, you know, uh, whether it be, uh, what is it, Glenworth Financial Institute, whether it be, a lot of companies, they're just laying people off. And see, what you start thinking, I wonder am I going to need next? You know, don't even think that way. Don't even think that way. That's negative thinking. Thinking that, that the man can't do without me. And this company going to go under if, if he does without me, because I'm bringing the presence of God in this place, you know. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not just here just doing something for myself. God placed me here. And, and see, if, you, if you're working hard, if you're working smart, you have a positive attitude about everything. The man, like I said last week, he's not going want to you, want you to leave anyway. He, he'll get rid of somebody else before he get rid of you. Let's look at another scripture, and then we'll try to give you a, uh, maybe a testimony about that. Proverbs 15.5. It says, A fool rejects his father's discipline, but he who regards reproof is sensible. Now, I put this one in here because I really believe that sometimes we get negative when somebody uh, corrects us. Yeah. When, when, when somebody tells you that you're not doing what you're supposed to do and, and uh, bring correction to you, that's when sometimes we get an attitude. And we don't want to get attitude then. We, we want to receive that reproof because we are sensible. We are smart. We are a wise person. And a wise person can take criticism. Even if it's destructive criticism, it really doesn't matter because if he's, if he's uh, uh, destructive, trying to destroy you, he's really trying to destroy God because we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. So uh, we're supposed to be dead anyway. So if we were a corpse laying there, then he can say negative things about us all he wants to say. And it won't, it won't even phase you. But see, we are not dead. We're alive. But we have to consider ourselves, reckon ourselves dead because we've been crucified with Christ. Philippians 4, 4 through 9 is another scripture that can, uh, set of verses that can help us have a positive attitude. Because we're supposed to be always rejoicing, aren't we? We're supposed to rejoice, and, and uh, that's going to be, the, uh, I think, the New American Standards up there. Um, but uh, I'll probably be telling you from the King James. It tells us to rejoice in the Lord always, that our moderation be known to God, because God's at hand. And now, see, we want to let our moderation be known to all men, all men, because God's at hand. Our moderation is our forbearing spirit, you know, our you know, gentle spirit. We want to let people know that we are tolerant, and that we, we, we're not going to, you can do anything you want to do to me, you can say anything you want to say to me, it might hurt me, it might bring tears to my eyes, but it's okay, it's not going to change my disposition, 
I'm not going to get mad and start, you know, want to take my ball and go home or want to get mad and kick the dog. I'm not going to do all those type of things. What I want to do is to rejoice in the Lord always. And I said again, I say rejoice. So that's what we want to do. Uh, Then it tells us that if you're really concerned about things, because it says don't be anxiously distracted. Don't be careful for anything. We want to pray. So it says that, you know, what we want to do is pray. So how do we pray? You know, we let our requests be known to God with thanksgiving, don't we? And see, if, if we let our requests be known to him, if you have faith in God, you're supposed to believe what you're praying. You're supposed to believe that if you're asking according to his will, he hears you. And if he hears you, he knows, we know that we have the petition of those things we ask. That's another scripture that, that uh, uh, the word says. So therefore, make sure when you're praying, you're asking for good things. Don't ask God, bring fire down on my boss. You know, don't 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 do those things because that's not of the right spirit. See, what you want to do is, is, you know, ask God to help you, you know, with your long suffering, because that's a fruit of the spirit. You want to speak blessings over your boss, blessing over your supervisors, you know, bless him, Lord. He know he doesn't know what he's doing. You know, bless him, you know, because that's what Jesus, you know, they, they, they know not what they're doing. You know, then uh, after we do that, because then we can have peace after we pray. We can have peace. Peace of God, which passes our understanding. It is, it is, it is beyond our understanding. We can have peace because he's left us with peace. He's given us peace. Then it tells us that finally what do we need to do? We're going to think on those things that are what? They think of those things that are, that, are, that, are, that are true, the King James are true, those things that are honest, those things that are uh, really uh, uh, you know, true, yes, honest, yes, but also those things that are just. We want to think of just things. Those things are just. Those things that are, that are lovely, that are having their praise, that are having their virtue. Think on those things. We want to think on those things. Then it says those things you've learned, those things you received, those things you've seen, those things you've heard, then I want you to do those things. So uh, God wants us to, he gives us an order of things, what we want to do. And I think um, Elder Sam, can you come up here for a minute? Uh, he has uh, uh, a lot of experience uh, in one particular uh, you, you can you can have a person who who I mean they are smart they know everything they can do better than anybody on a job but but the boss gets rid of them you wonder why you know tell us how some experience you've had with people around you because you you've been at G they laid off people you've been at Ericsson you know they laid off people and you've been in, on, on other companies on the company yet now they lay off people and things like that. I think you said they laying off people now you know or have laid off somebody but now mm-hmm. now. Now, you, you told me about an example, without calling names, of, of, of a people, a person you know in particular, uh, that, that, I mean, they were good. They were good. They knew their job. They knew it. But the boss got rid of them. And they were, they, were, they, were, they were better than most people. Tell the congregation. Yes, there's this gentleman that I know very well. He was good at what he did. If you tell him to do anything, you can lay down and go to sleep. It's going to be done. I mean, as far as ability and talent and skill and this person got a job at this company and he was good there real good but the boss said I would not hire him and I wonder why and the reason the person was hired because his attitude and the attitude was not obvious to some people if you see it but because I know him past know the person too we knew this person had an attitude issue and it affects his life, his children, his family and stuff, but he didn't know 
that was affecting him on his job. And he didn't know, the boss had already told me, I won't hire him. And did not hire him. And so that's, ex- that's an example of someone I know personally. My own life, I've had uh, supervisors come to me, and I remember an incident where I was working, and my gasoline tank had a hole in it. I didn't know it. Someone came to me and said, your gas is leaking. And I was working 30 minutes away. And my mouth thinking, I got to go get this fixed so how I'm going to you know, get home. I went to my boss and told him that this was happening. He got so mad at me. Now, I don't know why. He told me, no, you can't go nowhere. and said something bad to me. So what I did, I didn't respond to him. No kind of way. I walked away, went behind closed doors. I said, Father, first, forgive me. If there's anything I've done to cause this reaction, please forgive me. And then I said, Father, if there's nothing I've done, then I pray for him, Father. Because deep inside, I don't believe he really meant to do because it didn't make sense. It was, it, it was nonsensical. Didn't make sense. Within a second, after I said amen, he come right where I was at and said, I am absolutely sorry. May you go home, take care of anything you want to take care of. Then I've had bosses get on me in the, in the form of try to uh, show me up in front of other people when it comes to religion. Uh, like, for instance, they were giving people reprimand for not coming to work on Sunday. And I told them I won't come to work on Sunday. You can fire me, you can do whatever you want to do. And I said in such a way that it was not rebellious or anything like that. So I went to HR. He said, said you need to go to HR. So I went to HR and shared with them my reason. They said, that's fine. They said, because you're a good worker and because we've never had a bad report on you and because you came to us. So the next time when they work on Sundays, because you've already told us, you don't have to work. And they work. From that day forward, they probably worked Sunday for a year. I never had to work, never had no problem or nothing. And then I'll give you one more other instance. This instance where I was in the military, and you, well, you got officers over you, they can tell you and do what, they can tell you do things you can't, I mean, you just can't do nothing. And so I had a young man who I was in the barracks. At that point, I was wanting to uh, uh, play uh, basketball. And I had, I wanted to go practice. And this sergeant who was over me said, you're not going to play practice. You're going to clean every toilet on this floor. I said, sir, I clean every toilet on this floor. But I've already made a commitment and, and uh, I want to go. And I've already got okay from the coach and everything. And said, you ain't going nowhere and you better not go. I went. I went because I knew it was God's will for me to go. I won't be in rebellious. He filed a court-martial on me. I went before the gunnery sergeant, the chief guy. I was, I was in that office for probably 15 minutes. He seen my record. He said, man, you ain't, you ain't got, don't go with no charge, you gone. You keep your record clean. That boy's an idiot. Then after I went to basketball player, playing all that, I come out, I clean every toilet. They got rid of him. They didn't get rid of me. I got a promotion on top of that. So I'm telling you now, that you honor your leaders. And I'm going to tell you, connect the dots. What you do on your boss, uh, what you do there, has a direct effect on your family. What your children, what you do to your mom and dad, has a direct effect on what they're going to do and how they're going to be later on in life. And you have to be spiritual. Because if you're not spiritual, you're not going to connect the dots. I don't care if it's a politician or what. God is watching, and he's, he's hearing everything we say and what we do, what you do in this church. So I just want to encourage you with that. Thank you.
Let's give Elder Sam a hand. These things are so very important you know, that we're talking about. And you may think they're, they're you know, just something we're trying to make up. No, we're trying to tell you the truth, you know, what's going to help you succeed. And the last one, number 12, and I wanted that to be the last one, <laughs> is stop making excuses. Because we do that a lot. We, we make excuses. We make excuses. First Samuel ten eight says, And you shall go down before me to Gilgal, and behold, I will come down to you to offer burnt offerings and sacrifice peace offerings. You shall wait seven days until I come to you and show you what you should do. Now in First Samuel 13, let's turn over to 13, verse 8. Now, we know we're talking about Saul and, and, and Samuel. Now, he waited. Now, this is Saul. Now, Saul is there. He's waiting on Samuel to come to do what Samuel said he was going to do. Samuel told him to wait seven days. Now, he waited seven days according to the appointed time set by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal. And the people were scattering from him, from Saul. So Saul said, bring me the burnt offering and the peace offering. And he offered the burnt offering. Now, Saul is not supposed to do that because that's not his position to do that. It's not his place to do that. Samuel told him to wait. And he waited seven days, but a day is a long time. You know, a day is a long time. So he, Saul was really scared. Now, let's look what it says here. It came about as soon as he finished offering the burnt offering. That's verse 10. That behold, Samuel came. So Samuel came not on the eighth day. He still came on the seventh day. But what does God usually do? He waits. He waits. He waits. He waits. He wants to see whether you're going to obey or whether you're not going to obey. You see? And circumstances all, all around you will tell you, you better not do, do this because if you, if you do what they told you to do, oh man, you're going you're to you're go under. You're gonna, all you have to do is say, I'm going to obey God. And if, if, if Saul would have done that, he would have passed his test. But he didn't. And Samuel, God was waiting for Saul to pass the test, but he didn't pass the test. He failed the test. And Saul went out to greet him, to meet him and greet him. But Samuel said, what have you done? And Saul said, because I saw, oh, come on. Why don't you just say, I sinned, forgive me. He said, because I saw that the people were scattering from me and that you did not come within the appointed days and that the Philistines were a Simon at Mishmah. Therefore, this is an excuse Excuse, excuse. Now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not asked the favor of the Lord. You don't get the favor of the Lord by being disobedient. You don't get it, you know. So I offered, I forced, I, oh, I forced myself. Come on, you ain't forced. I forced myself to offer the bread offer. So is, I mean, he is. He, 
he, he, he didn't just do this one time. He did it another time too. I mean, he just, he just, oh, the people, the people made me do it. The people, don't make excuses, okay? Men, don't put it on your wives. Wives, don't put it on the men. Parents, don't put it on the children. Children, don't put it on the parents. Just take the responsibility. You know, what we should do is what uh, was done in Second Samuel, uh, verse chapter 12, verse 9. Then we go to 12 and 13. It says, now, you know, this is account of Nathan coming to uh, David. And David has already um, violated Bathsheba and Uriah. He's killed Uriah, had him killed. And Nathan's coming to him. He says, why have you despised the word of the Lord by doing evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword, have, have taken his wife to be your wife, and have killed him with the sword of the sons of Ammon. Indeed, you did it secretly, but I would do this thing before all Israel and under the sun. Now, this is a great time to make an excuse, isn't it? It's a great time. She shouldn't have been out there, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, out there showing everybody what, what she, she shouldn't have done that. If it wouldn't have been for her doing that, I would have been a, everybody can make excuses, can't we? If Uriah would have just gone and done what I told him, I told him to go home, and he wouldn't go home. He kept sleeping, you know, on the steps and sleeping. He wouldn't have died. We can all make excuses. But David said to Nathan, verse 13, I have sinned against the Lord. I have sinned against the Lord. He didn't bring anybody else in on it. He didn't say we have sinned. Well, Bathsheba, she didn't have to come. You know, I called her to, to, to the council, but she didn't have to come. You know, she, she didn't put her in it. I have sinned. And so, you know, I tell people that, you know, use, use the, 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 you know, the six words, you know. I think it's about six words. Is that, you know, I was wrong. Please forgive me. And then we just remember those words and say those words and stop making excuses. Because all the excuse is, is, is just, you know, pride. That's all it is. We don't want to be wrong, you know, don't want to be wrong. And some people, you, 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 you'll get the message after a while, you'll get the picture after a while, they're never wrong. They always do everything right. I don't care what you tell them, they have an excuse for it. So there's no need to talk to them about anything, no need to try to correct them because they always, they always have an excuse. So they're never wrong. You haven't seen anybody like that, have you? We want to use these 12 Things for our goals that we've set for 2009. I don't know what you've set personally for your household. I know what we have for a church. And I know that we have uh, goals that said that we know we want to have uh, more zeal for the lost. We want to have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. We said that we're going to invite people, you know, to the church, you know, and get them discipled and um, uh, get them committed to Cornerstone. Uh, and we said we're going to really um, have a, a devotional life with about 15 minutes a day minimum. And we want to memorize the seven priorities. We said we want to uh, use those seven priorities in our devotional life. We said that we wanted to uh, memorize a scripture per month. We said we wanted to, you know, really uh, be about God's business, being more spiritual, really. You know, that's what we want to do. You know, we said we want to, um, 
you know, kind of expand our prayer life. We want to do that by uh, making sure we pray about five minutes a day. You know, we told you to, uh, to pray a minute for yourselves and a minute for your mates or, your, or those who you will, or your future mates, your children, your future children. We said that. Pray for the leaders. Pray for the success of the body. We said all those type of things. We said that we want you to come to a corporate prayer time at least four times a year. That's once a quarter. Uh, we said you wanted to do that. We said you wanted to cooperate with God and, and with your leaders. And we'll know whether you cooperate cooperating or not. If, you, if, you, if you're doing these things, you're cooperating. If you're not doing those things, you're resisting. It's easy to, to, to do that. Um, and we said that we, we want to make sure that you are also yielding to God and, 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 and uh, to increase your mindset uh, and expand your mindset on giving and your, and your family's mindset on giving because we said that we wanted you to uh, everybody to tithe. We said you wanted to, wanted you to uh, 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 get a, a, a pledge and keep your pledge. You know, I don't care what amount it is, just do it. You know, uh, we said you, we wanted you to do that. And so these are things that we said we wanted you to you, we wanted you to do for the church because we figured that you'll be more spiritual and a more spiritual people will be a more uh, a more receiving people because God pours out uh, blessings upon those who are obedient to Him and He He really doesn't. Uh, Give all that belongs to them, those who are not. Saul did not get everything that belonged to him. God had some good stuff for Saul. I mean good stuff. But Saul missed it, you know. And a lot of people missed it in the Bible. And what we don't want to do is miss it, do we? We don't want to miss it. Let's stand. Let me have the prayer team come up, if you would, please. Father, I really uh, want to thank you for your words, you know, that, that uh, you've given us, Lord. Father, this is, this, this is a practical, practical, practical messages, Lord, we've been given on, the, on these five messages on how to succeed, Lord. Father, we know that, 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 that the economy is kind of uh, rough now. We know that people are, are laying people off. We know those type of things. We know that prices are kind of high. We know all those things. But, God, we know that there is no recession in heaven. We know that God, that you own the cattle on a thousand hill, all the earth is yours and the fullness thereof, Lord, and everything that's in it is yours, Lord. We don't have to be concerned about anything. All we need to be doing, Lord, is being obedient to what you've asked us to do. And the first thing we want to do, Lord, is to make sure that, that we belong to you. If there's anyone here today that you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, you said today is a day of salvation. I agree with the scripture. I want to give my life, life to Jesus Christ because I know that there is no success. There is no success in the kingdom of God outside of being His. I'll have to stand before Jesus Christ one day and the world will not be judging me. It'll be the word of God. It'll be whether I achieved the purpose of which He set me here before. So therefore, God, I want to be yours. If there's anyone here that want to say today, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ, would you raise your hand and put it back down? We want to pray for you. Is there anyone here today that say that, you know, um, I'm saved, but I just haven't been walking with the Lord. And I want, today I want to rededicate my life to God. If that's you today, would you raise your hand and put it back down? We want to pray for you. Anyone here like that? And there are, I know people here that you want to succeed. You want to follow the principles that we have given. You want to be successful 
at the things that God placed before you. You want to succeed in a, in, in a world that a lot of people are failing. You want to succeed. And you say, would you pray for me that I have the strength to change some of the things about my life that I know that I need to change in order to succeed? That's you. Then we want to pray for you at the end of the service. The prayer team is here, and they would like to pray for you. They would like to pray with you. They would like to be in agreement with you that whatever you're going through, whether it's physical, whether it's financial, whether it's relational, whatever it is, they want to agree with you that God's will will be done. So the altar is open once Jason closed. Even though we, uh, we are closing the service, please don't feel like that's mandatory for everybody to leave. If anybody does still want to get prayer as people are being dismissed, feel free to still come up and receive prayer for what the pastor was calling people up for. So, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine down upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. If anybody want a prophetic word, we're going to be up here, the prophetic team up here. That's why we moved up here. It's too crowded down there.